Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. Imagine that you are interviewing a potential employee and you ask them a somewhat traditional question about strengths and weaknesses and they respond, oh man, have I got weaknesses. Let me tell you about them. Now, in a business world, maybe we think that's not the best strategy. Uh, That might not help that person get that job. But we remember that God's kingdom often turns things upside down. Let's go back to closer to the beginning of our reading through the New Testament to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, Well, there's a blessing in weaknesses, and there's even a reason to boast in weaknesses. What in the world might that be? Well, that's why we need to dig into 2 Corinthians 12 today. And I hope this is an encouraging day for you. This is an amazing passage of scripture, and there may be some difficult things we need to admit in light of it, but I I think there's some great things that should encourage you as well. So let's pick it up. If we remember from chapter 10 and chapter 11, this actually continues a period where Paul is defending his ministry. And as we've seen, he feels awkward about this. He's saying things like, bear with me in a little foolishness. And he goes on in that. And he starts today in a similar vein by saying, I must go on boasting though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. And he goes on to describe, and this is interesting here, I know a man in Christ who 13 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. And I think it's pretty clear from the context that that person who is caught up to the third heaven is Paul. So he is describing an experience that he has had. And he doesn't understand all the particulars. He doesn't know whether this was in body or out of body. And he says he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. I mean, let's just pause there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting caught up into heaven and getting a glimpse of that? Like, what would that do to your life? I mean, we talk about somebody dying sometimes, even as their faith has turned to sight. Well, Paul got a little glimpse. He got a preview of that sight. And he's clearly not seeking to just flaunt this around. He's saying this to defend himself. Uh, So that all by itself is a fascinating uh, story. And he is telling this again. He says, though, if I should wish to boast, I boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So he talks about this experience that he had. And we could spend a whole 10, 15 minutes just reflecting on what that must have been like. But that is not the point he is making. And I think, again, that shows Paul's humility. He's not just flaunting this heavenly experience and then elaborating on it. He's mentioning it to then move on to something else, which again will highlight his weakness. Uh, Because it says, so to keep me from becoming 
conceded because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. And right there, that's why if you're saying, how do you, why do you think it was Paul? Well, because of this right here, he's clearly now talking, why, why would Paul need to be kept from being conceded because of the surpassing revelations? If he was talking about somebody else, that doesn't really make sense. But to keep him from becoming conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, Paul says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. So God gives Paul some kind of trial. And even just as I was going through this passage, I looked, there's a lot of disagreement about what the thorn in the flesh is. And there's several things like that in the Bible. And I, I, I kind of wonder what that's going to look like someday. I mean, does everybody that has died now know uh, what the thorn in the flesh was? There's, there's part of me that kind of hopes maybe God uh, holds off on that. And there's like like a a grand reveal of that someday in heaven. And okay, Paul, what was your thorn in the flesh? Oh, and then we all learn what it was. Uh, But many people think it was some kind of health ailment that Paul had. Uh, I think from the phrase there, a messenger of Satan, uh, the word for messenger uh, is also translated angel. So it has it even an angel of Satan. Really, this would be a demon. I think perhaps something more like that, and it could even be a particular person that could be described as a messenger of Satan. If it is a false teacher, uh, someone who is opposed to Paul, maybe that's even connected to the opposition Paul is experiencing in Corinth. But it is one of those things I don't think we can be totally certain on. And This is one of those things where I think that can be a good thing, because as we think through thorns in the flesh that God might give us to become, to not become conceited, I think they can come in many shapes and sizes. Uh, It can be a health difficulty. It can be a circumstantial trial. It can be opposition and and somebody uh, that is really working for the other side or betrays you or is harassing you in some way. There's a lot of ways trials like this, weaknesses like this could look in our lives. And so Paul, he prays, he pleads with the Lord to take this away from him, that it should leave me. And three times he pleaded with the Lord about this. And the answer that comes back is, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, friends, let these words linger in your heart and in your mind today. Listen to these words of Christ. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Are you feeling overwhelmed today? The grace of Jesus Christ is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. Are things not going according to your plans today? The grace of Christ is sufficient for his power is made perfect in weakness. Are there things happening that don't make sense to you and don't seem like that's what should happen for the advance of the gospel? Christ's grace is sufficient for you for his power is made perfect in weakness. Paul comes to see this thorn in the flesh, not merely as a bad thing, but as something God is using to teach him about the sufficiency of the grace 
of Christ. And that is what leads Paul to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I mean, what what an amazing statement right there. He's boasting of his weaknesses because it's through the weaknesses that he really sees the power of Christ in a new way. It's in those weaknesses where the power of Christ shines through. And then he says in verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's maybe the difficult part. That's what needs to change about our perspective as we think through these things. We need to learn, and again, this is going to sound counterintuitive, we need to learn to relish our weaknesses. We need to learn to, in some way, cherish those things. We need to learn, as was once said, to kiss the wave that throws us against the rock of ages. And again, maybe that's a health problem. Maybe that's some kind of circumstantial difficulty. Maybe that's real spiritual opposition. But we view those things, and there is a sense in which those are not the way things are supposed to be. Someday we will live in a world where all of those things will be gone forever. But for now, we need to trust that God uses those things that seem bad for good. And so we need to not complain about those things. We need to learn uh, not to just bemoan those things. We need to learn to embrace those things. And again, that sounds counterintuitive and it, it doesn't sound like something we necessarily want because you might be seeing this and saying, yeah, there's ways that I've felt like I've seen that. There's trials I've been through that have forced me to see the sufficiency of the grace of Christ. But you know, those were for me as a younger Christian, right? I mean, I mean, between me and God, we don't need any more trials, do we? Well, no, that's not how we should think. We should look toward the future and to some extent say, bring it on. Whatever will draw me closer to Christ, God, bring it on. That is what I want. And we need to change the way we think because we often dream of a life of no difficulty being the apex of our Christianity. Oh, someday I'll reach a place where there is no difficulty. There is no trial. Not going to happen this side of paradise. This side of paradise, we're going to have to learn to boast in our weaknesses. For when we are weak, then he is strong and the power of Christ and the grace of Christ shine through. So like I said, I hope that encourages you, especially if you are feeling overwhelmed today, especially if you are dealing with a trial or a challenge of some kind today. I hope this really encourages you to lean into the grace of Christ and to find it to be the all-sufficient grace that he promises that it will be. But this should also challenge us. Don't just look to the future and say, man, I hope I finally get through that last trial that teaches me the last thing I need to know, and then it's all smooth sailing from there. No, learn to even cherish the trials and the difficulty that come, knowing that God brings those for a purpose, uh, the purpose of showing us the all-sufficiency of the grace of Christ. So may we boast of our weaknesses. For when we are weak, then he is strong. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.